0: We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by
1: intelligences greater than man. Men from Moto digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellects, vast, cool and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Manor Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 46, Women of Moto. My name is David Seville, and I have Emma Handy on the line with me this week, who is replacing Travis. How are you? I
0: can't complain too much. You know, I've uh, I've never replaced Travis before, so this is a first time for
1: me. Uh, he doesn't really have big shoes to fill. I would say he's only the person that carries this podcast. So you have, um, you know, no, no pressure or anything like that.
0: Oh, I mean that, I guess that just makes my job easy then. So I, that just makes my day even better.
1: (laughs) There you go. So, uh, for those that don't know, uh, Emma is a, um, I would say one of the, Masters of magic, um, when it comes to <laughs> playing on the uh, the Star City Games tour, uh, she's a writer for Star City Games, she's uh, she's got a stream, uh, she's been on uh, recent claims to fame. She was on the loading, ready, run pre pre release for Ixalan, was it?
0: Yep, that uh, yep. that was a few months ago, yeah,
1: recently, um, and streamer showdowns. Um, you recently had an uh, appearance at the SCG Invitational as well so when it comes to competitive magic uh, also casual magic just magic in general uh, i would say that emma knows her stuff would you argue with that
0: i uh i think i think master of magic is a uh, you know that's it's pretty flattering i i wouldn't necessarily agree with that but uh i my hobby is magic my job is magic i am all magic all the time in absorbing as much of it as i can so you know i don't think too much of what you're saying is off base
1: okay um well why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself so maybe how you got your start in magic um you mentioned that it's it's your job so what exactly do you do not just writing for for star city games but other things um and what uh maybe what what do you like about the game what's what's the thing that gets you moving every morning to to play uh to play magic
0: Okay, sure. So uh, I started playing Magic in Darksteel, and uh, I've played. I, I quit for about six months right after Scars of Mirrodin, but came back for New Phyrexia. So I've I played pretty consistently since then. Um, uh, my job, I coach Magic over the internet, so it's you know somewhere between. Um, magic lessons and actually just giving sort of personalized articles to people. Whenever they go, hi, let's talk about this part of strategy. Then we'll, we'll do that for an hour or something. Um, it, they they vary a lot from client to client, but I do that. I travel to different tournaments. I write articles, I stream. So all of those, there isn't a specific job that I can point to and say that is what I do for a living without just saying, I, I do magics <laughs> and involve myself with people in the game a lot. Um, as far as what I like about magic, my goal is to end up in the coverage booth either. I'm not picky, either the SCG tour or with Wizards or I guess Channel Fireball. Now that they're running the Grand Prix circuit, I just want to to be a caster more or less and uh, and do that. I just love the game love talking about the the strategy involved with magic and i'm not particularly interested in the results of the matches mine own included and uh, that can get in my way sometimes when i'm trying to be successful
1: outstanding so magic through and through um okay so uh so you play a lot on the on the star city games tour correct
0: mm-hmm. yeah so- absolutely i think i missed you know, a total of a half dozen events between this year and last year.
1: That's crazy. So how many, how many events total would you say you do in a year then?
0: That varies. Last year I was, I woke up in my bed on a Saturday, 11 weekends last year. Um, This year I think it's going to be closer to 20. Okay. So somewhere in the, in the 30 to, to 40
1: range. So sufficient to say that you are a grinder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: absolutely. I don't know. Is, is that a compliment or is that a, that's gotta be a compliment for magic players, right? If you're a grinder.
0: Maybe, um, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's not always necessarily a good thing, but it is not, it's not an insult. It's definitely not derogatory.
1: Right. And then, so when you play and do well enough at these, uh tournaments that you earned yourself an invitation to the scg invitational which i mentioned before so um how does that work and what was your experience like there
0: so the tournament itself there are a few ways that you can qualify you can either make the finals of an invitational qualifier those are just 1ks that are hosted around the country you can top eight a star city games open you can top four a star city games classic which is a 5k or a 10k and a 5k respectively Or you can get 15 open series or SCG points in a season, which is about six months, and you get varying amounts of SCG points based on your placement in their tournaments. Or if you're on their top 30, a top 32 person on their leaderboard, then you're qualified for the tournament. Um, I think I did all of those last season except for make the finals of an invitational qualifier, but I just didn't play any. Uh, The tournaments themselves are great. They are, I believe it's a total of either, I think it's a total of $100,000 in prizes split amongst the top 64 or so. And it's a three-day event where Friday is eight total rounds with four rounds of standard and modern. Saturday is the same, eight rounds, four rounds of standard and modern. And then Sunday is the top eight where it switches to a best of five style um single elimination tournament and it is only one format for the elimination rounds okay
1: crazy so that's a lot of. so it's basically like the pro tour of the scg tour
0: yes yeah that's a that's a good way to put it yeah
1: outstanding all right well and and where did you end up like where did you end up placing in in that this time around
0: um i think i finished in around 50th or something.
1: Okay. So, in nice that area, it, it was a
0: top 64, which was enough for I think $500. I haven't got the check yet, but <laughs> oh. uh, you know, enough for me to not feel too bad about the weekend.
1: Outstanding. So you get to play high level magic, you made a little bit of money off of it, hung out with a bunch of good people. Um really all in all, like you can't you can't knock that, I would think from a competitive no. player's perspective.
0: No, not at all. It's it's It was one of my favorite tournaments I played in this year. I felt good about my decks. I feel like I played good magic throughout it. I didn't leave empty handed. It was a free tournament to
1: enter. It was, it was just a good time. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Um, so the reason we have Emma on this week is Travis is on his honeymoon. Finally. Uh, we finally got him enough money to go. Um, but, uh, no, but, uh, I wanted to, to bring you on, um, mostly because of your expertise on modern and, and the fact that you do coaching so I feel like I should be paying you for this podcast because I'm gonna get so much value out of this uh, maybe we can take up a collection between me and the listeners here but um get your take on get your take on modern specifically on on magic online and and for me so um, I'm gonna be honest with you I never really played modern um, my experience in modern was taking a paper constructed uh, standard deck to a modern FNM because i didn't realize it was modern and i didn't want to go all the way home. Um, sure. so so i have experience in getting turn four killed many times and not actually playing a card. Um but it but it's something that uh, that i've always been interested in getting into online. It seems like the barrier for entry is pretty low, so i thought maybe we could talk about that, uh, talk about the meta game, talk about how you use magic online to practice for for your paper events and things like that. Um and then you recently wrote an article actually just today um we're recording on the thursday so it'd be 2 days ago i think when the podcast goes up on saturday um about playing more than 60 cards in a in a constructed deck and um one of the things when you were on the pre-pre-release i remember standing out is you you talked about uh playing 41 cards in a limited deck so i think i'd like to pick your brain a little bit on that one um and we can talk about your kind of line of thinking there and and the reasoning behind that i think that'd be a good discussion to have um and then maybe go a little bit deeper in, into your coaching uh if we have the time and and uh some of our listeners out there may be maybe may interested in services like that whether it be from you or somebody else and and we can give them an idea of kind of what to look for and what to expect when it comes to getting coaching on magic how does all that sound
0: yeah that's we got a lot of ground to cover i'm excited let's jump in
1: absolutely okay so first uh i want to try a little little segment here for you that i would like to start introducing to our uh to our guest hosts here it's uh uh, we did something similar to this before it was we called it gut check. Um, I got five questions here. The idea here is they're gonna be rapid fire. So first thing that comes to mind, and I'm gonna they're mostly this or that question. so it'll be this or that a or b. Um, and you answer. Uh, I don't have a pencil here. I do have a pencil here. I'm gonna write down your answers. And then we'll just go back and just quickly talk about them and why you chose one over the other. Um, and just to give a kind of our listeners an idea into your, uh, magic personality, I would say, um, and maybe they can identify you with you. Maybe they can't. Maybe they think you're a you're a, you're a damned blue mage or something like that, and they can't get behind <laughs> it. But that's that's okay. Um, it would be a little bit of fun here. So, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do check? it. All right. First up, draft or sealed? Uh, draft. Draft. Second up, paper or online? Paper. Paper. Sixty or forty? Constructed or limited?
0: Uh, Sixty.
1: Okay. Creatures or non creatures? Creatures. And finally, your favorite color, Wuberg. Uh
0: can I say Samic? Or is that? Sure, shading? sure,
1: that's fine. No. If I favorite. have to pick
0: one color, it's red. But I favorite like the combination red. blue-green a lot more than I like
1: mono red. Outstanding. Okay, so we'll go back and do review. So first question was draft or sealed? And you said draft. So on this podcast, Mr. Sowers is all about sealed. I'm all about draft. So what do you like more about draft, uh, in compared to when compared to sealed?
0: I feel like I have more control over what I'm doing. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I have a knack for opening dual lands and, uh, that is not great
1: in sealed. That's true. Cut down your rare playability pool quite a bit and you end up just playing two color uncommons.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I, and I think draft is a lot of fun and I, a lot of the coaching sessions I do end up being on draft, So I get a, a pretty absurd, not absurd, I guess, but a pretty large number of reps in C- okay. in draft, considering that very few of the tournaments I go to are actually limited.
1: Interesting. Um, I like, I like drafts. Um, it, it feels like, uh, it, it keeps my game a little sharper, I think, um, because I, I'm not spending as much energy on, um, build like finding the perfect sealed pool i feel like you know there's a probably a smaller number of interesting decisions in draft personally um and and the deck you end up with is i don't know maybe it's more interesting to pilot to me because of the synergies i think we saw that in ixalan especially where um drafting kind of uh gave you a lot more control over your deck obviously than sealed and um and and you could you could build it in a way that that played to your style when it came to piloting so i think that's why i like draft more so i asked you next paper versus online and you said paper which is which is interesting um what do yeah, you looking I mean, at I might be on
0: the wrong podcast i don't know
1: <laughs> now magic is magic regardless <laughs> so so why do you pi- why do you pick paper over online
0: Ah, uh, so this is silly i like feeling the feeling of holding cards i um i am I put a lot of points, uh, you know, if, if when you're, let's, let's assume when you're born, you put a lot of D and D style, you put a lot of points into your various skill sets. Uh, I put a lot of skill points into dexterity. <laughs> so if, uh, I mean, I, if you were to ever catch me on coverage or something like that, the way I handle my cards, I like to think is very clean and precise. And I like the feeling uh, I, I just like the feeling of the cards and I like being able to read my opponent's body language. If if Moto were playing like two laptops seated in front of each other, there's a strong chance I would just like Moto more. But I like the human interaction that comes with it because sometimes if you have a bad losing streak on Moto, it feels like you're losing to a computer rather than to people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's harder for me to stomach a day of run bads on Moto than it is to stomach a a poor tournament result or something in
1: paper. Interesting. I'm kind of with you despite being a co-host of a magic online podcast. Um, I play more online because it's faster. It's easier. Um, Oh yeah. But there's something to be said for shuffling up a deck with a fresh set of sleeves, you know, snapping your scry to the top when you mulligan (sighs) um, shuffling the cards in your hand. Like I instinctively drag my cards around on moto as if I'm shuffling them Yes, me and too. Uh, it's so refreshing and relaxing and um, and I feel real bad. So I got my daughter into the game recently. She's uh, she's 13 and uh, she started to pick up my card shuffling habits like in her hand. Oh, no. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm so sorry, kid, but you're, <laughs> you're one of these now. Um, but no, I mean, I used to play a lot of, a lot of poker and I never played online. I always played paper or I played very little online. Um, and there's just something to be said for the conversation, the atmosphere, the the feel like you said of the cards um you know shuffling up i don't know i enjoy all of that it's very uh relaxing i guess you know it's it's almost zen to me when i sit down at a draft and everything kind of melts away around me and i'm focused on what's going on in front of me and then when the game's over you know everybody else is around me you know making a bunch of noise and i can kind of fall back into that so it's it's you and i I think we're on the same page here i think we're i think we're good okay so we're two for two so far Nice. So the next one I ask then is 60 versus 40. So constructed versus limited. And you said 60. Yes. So what's, uh, what's your preference there when it comes to, to constructed over limited?
0: So part of what I like about constructed is in a lot of ways, I feel like there's, I like the impactful decisions and magic being during the gameplay more mm-hmm. than during deck construction. And it feels like, ironically it feels like constructed more rewards in game decisions in the two and three deck formats towards the end of a format whereas Mm -hmm. limited tends to reward your deck construction abilities so something like sealed you're going to get rewarded for you had mentioned finding the perfect sealed pool so you know it might be like oh i have a i have a vona or is it The the black white legendary vampire and some okay vamps so i'm going to play black white and Someone walks up and goes, "Uh, you have Air Elemental and a bunch of Fathom Fleet Firebrands. Why are you not on Blue Red? So I I would much rather be rewarded for my sequencing of cards and my combat steps than um, finding the perfect sealed pool or figuring out that some common is very, very good in the format a week before everyone else does. So I should pick it somewhere in the three to six range instead of the six to nine range
1: hmm it feels like there's a lot in constructed a lot of um small variations that make a big difference uh, after the metagame has kind of settled down so like i think you see it in like the sideboard options in teamer energy for example right and um you can still kind of make one or two decisions that ha- can have a huge impact on the game whereas limited it's like you know it almost feels like once the format's quote-unquote solved you know that's just the way to play it if you want to be the most successful um so i can feel you there I unfortunately don't get to play a lot of constructed, so I, I like limited because it's accessible to me. <laughs> that's really <laughs> the only reason I play it. But no, that's that's good. That's good. You know, it's um, it's something that people that play exclusively limited, I think, I think, don't understand about constructed. Right? Um, a lot of the games seem very linear. A lot of the 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 you know net decking, quote unquote, people look down on it sometimes. But it's like, you know, constructed Magic is is. When you watch the high level at the Pro Tour or or a GP or a Star City Games or something like that, um, especially in a format like modern, it's insanely complicated um, what you can get with, like you said, just maybe three decks or something like that, especially in standard. Um, It's not just paper, rock, scissors. There's a lot of decisions that go into it. So I I respect that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree on that front. It almost becomes closer to a very complex game of chess than where you kind of both players know the pieces that the other one is working with and you're just trying to make your bishop take their queen or something
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting so I, I mean side conversation here but um uh when you test for constructed whether it be standard or modern um you know how do do you focus on specific matchups like do you like do you get like 100 reps in against a specific you know deck if you're playing team or energy against an approach or something like that like do you play it 100 times do you just play whatever comes to you on magic on like like what's your approach to 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 learning or mastering a specific matchup
0: it depends on the format for the most part uh in modern i'll just kind of play whatever moto gives to me because the format's so wide open i you know not to be crude but it's kind of a crap shoot knowing what you're going to play mm-hmm. against in a tournament i've I I took Lantern to a tournament when, according to MTG Goldfish, Burn was around three or four percent of the online meta, and I played against Burn five of my nine rounds and got smushed. It's a pretty bad matchup, but you know that's not uncommon to have those types of things happen where you try to plan as best you can, but you can only do so much in a format that wide open. But in standard, I'll tend to. I made sure. With the different timber decks I built, I was like, all right, we're going to play against the timber deck with Scarab God, 20 matches. All right, we are going to play 20 matches against the three-colored timber Mirror. We're going to play 20 matches against Jeskai Approach. We're going to play 20 matches against, you know, Red Deck. And now we're going to try the Red Deck that goes a little bit bigger with the extra deserts and stuff. So when there are fewer decks, focusing on the exact matchups matters but it doesn't quite matter as much when it's a super wide
1: open format. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, So fourth question I asked you creatures versus non-creatures. So you said creatures, I I thumbs up on this one. I started as a green mage, so I'm all about it. Um, Why, why do you prefer the the creatures to the, uh, I guess, control style or or the spell-based combo style?
0: Um, So I, I think combo is fine, and I like the linear combo decks a lot, but I just, I like asking questions more than I like answering them, mm-hmm. and that usually just rewards creatures more than non-creature spells.
1: Sure, so you're, you're like, you like to be the one putting the pressure on your opponent as opposed to defending. Yep, exactly. You know, throwing, up, throwing up the blocks, you like to throw the jabs instead.
0: Yeah, I uh, I play a I lot like of it. decks that have very good game ones, and sometimes just fold the sideboard hate cards because I want to play a powerful proactive thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I my love of creatures comes from uh limited. You know, limited is usually creature heavy. Um, you know, very rarely uh, is there a format where you can play an exclusive kind of spells deck or close to that. Um, you know, usually there's one one in a format, but it doesn't go much further than that most of the time. So um, my love of magic when it comes to that is figuring out um, combat. I love complicated combats. I love, um, you know, the occasional bluff in combat, things like that. And that's really creature-based more than anything. So that's my love of creatures. And, you know, the first spells that I ever cast were seven sevens for seven and, and things like that. So I kind of have a love for for all things big and dumb and and creatures are the big and dumb things in magic. Sure. Uh, finally favorite color. So you, uh, you, you said Simic, which is fine. Color pairs. I think I, maybe I should have said color pairs, but, um, and then you said red as an individual color, which is interesting because they're, you know, different ends of the spectrum, I would say. So let's start with, uh, let's start with Simic. So Simic is your favorite color pair. I guess your guild, if you're, uh, from the Ravnica era, um, so why, why Blue-Green?
0: So I like things that that play with timing rather than things that are just raw power or something to that effect. I very much like Tempo-style decks. Your Delver decks, your... Um, you know, the Modern Infect is probably my favorite Magic deck of all time.
1: Okay, uh, and interesting. And you know,
0: that's a Simic deck, but it's just that it plays very much to the idea that it has a couple of efficient creatures, And you have to respect these creatures, so they end up buying a lot of extra time, so even though they're just kind of crummy one-ones-for-one or one-ones-for-two that are unblockable, they end up playing this sort of pseudo-mind game where the looming threat of what they can do or what the looming threat of a Stifle out of a Delverdeck can do ends up making people play awkward. And I really like the mind games that come with those types of strategies.
1: Okay, so I feel like we've put together a... a a psychological profile or magic psychological profile of you here. And and I'm starting to, to pick up all of the kind of the things that make you tick with magic. So this is a good exercise. I might have to remember this for next time. (laughs) Um, And then finally, and it's interesting because you switched to red as your overall favorite color um, individual color. Now, is that just because you didn't want to say blue or green or is it, is there something else there that um, when it comes to just the specific color?
0: No, I, I, I like red a lot. It's the, it's probably the color between my boyfriend and I. We've pulled cards for probably five or six years now. And um, that's always the car- the color we're like fighting over the cards for. We have two really cool sets of lightning bolts because there were too many tournaments where we both <laughs> wanted to play with bolts. And, um, you know, I, again, to be crude, I just want to and kill people. I just, <laughs> I want to get them dead. I want to close the Red's game. I want to figure out the way to outsmart my Fumigate opponent with a bunch of stupid 2-2 goblins or whatever. I just I, I, like I think it. red decks end up... They get a bad rap because sometimes you have just the I win draw or they don't respect you and can't do anything to interact with what you're doing because they didn't bring their burn cards. But I think the interesting games are some of the most interesting games in Magic you'll ever watch because you'll end up in situations where you have to beat their five drop mythics and you have to beat it with if what's effectively a a draft deck. And I think it leads to some incredibly skill intensive magic.
1: You know, it's, it's quite, it's quite amazing to me that, that, you know, magic, there's so many different ways to enjoy magic. And it's not even between the different, uh, games of like the styles of the formats you can play, but even just within each format, there's so much variation that, uh, you know, this is the reason why the, the game is as popular as it is that, that, you know, you can have your preference, I can have my preference, and it's 100% different than everybody that's listening to this podcast. And, uh, and I love that. So thank you for sharing your magic personality profile with me. I need to like trademark this or something like that. And start <laughs> doing these for I need to go to GPs and start picking up people and doing them on camera or something like that. Maybe that can be my claim to fame here. So you better thank you jump for, on
0: that trademark. I'm gonna start my own podcast and steal it.
1: No, no, uh, patent pending. I put an envelope in the mail with my name on it and postdated it. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's already, it's already in the, pro- that's how that works. Section right? one, I, I think.
0: Psychological profile behind me. I'll just have the, a shrine with, uh, with Travis's shoes that I filled.
1: It'll be nice. <laughs> okay. You know what? That might have to happen. We might have to get a little, uh, little, uh, Little like maybe a pair of rubber boots or something like that. <laughs> or, right Travis in like like a backward S or something like that on it, and uh, and you can you can fill his his kitty shoes. I think I like that. I'm in. Okay, you know what? He's he's gonna have big shoes to fill when he gets back. So, and especially because we're gonna get into the meat of the topic, uh, the meat of the podcast here now. So we're gonna focus for the next probably 25 to 30 minutes. We'll see how how long it takes here specifically on modern. So, um, I'm. Approaching this as a complete modern noob, so I'm going to have a bunch of questions, and um, I think hopefully listeners will be able to get some value out of this. In you know maybe they don't play ma- uh, modern online. Um, Travis and I usually talk a lot about limited, so I think a lot of our audience is probably limited focused right now. Um, but there's really no reason if you're interested in playing constructed to not playing modern online. I think from my perspective, so I've been interested. I've been kind of poking my head around, you know, watching a few modern streams, looking at decks and things like that. Um, so I wanted to maybe get, uh, or pick your brain on some of the aspects of playing modern, uh, on magic online. So I'm just, let's just dive right into it here. So, um, if I wanted to somebody like me, I don't have a, I play limited online, let's say, um, don't have much of a collection, but you know, I I have a budget that I'm willing to spend on modern cards. What is the best way for somebody like me to dip my toes into the modern pool on magic online? What, what would you recommend for an approach? Um, you know, finding cards, deck selection, kind of things like that. How should I, how do you think I should approach uh, or somebody like me uh, getting into Modern on- Online?
0: If I had to guess off the top of my head, I'm not as good at prices as I used to be in Modern, as or not Modern, well, both Modern and Magic Online are uh, their own separate animals. But if if I had to say, hey, this is a good way to get started, um, I would probably look into either the Ad Nauseum deck, um, there's an ad nauseum combo deck that I imagine is pretty cheap, except for the card Pact of negation. I don't know how much those mm. run online, but outside of that card, I think the deck should be pretty cheap. Um, or just modern merfolk. Uh, I think I, okay. a lot of the cards that are five, six bucks in paper for merfolk are a couple of cents on magic online because people never misplace or damage their draft uncommon. So as a result, mirror rejury is five cents online when it's a few dollars in paper and all of those shifts end up making the entire merfolk deck including either vials and everything i think around 120 tickets or something
1: which that's not too bad at all because there's a lot of standard decks that are more expensive than 120 tickets so right there you know that's that's probably a good start if you're thinking about let's say between standard and modern or something like that so deck selection when you're starting on magic online then like does it really matter what deck you select like would you say like um or, or, or is the goal really just to get online and start learning how to play modern do you know what i mean like walk before you can run kind of thing
0: sure uh, i i think that varies from person to person one of um one of my really good friends uh daniel he he just wanted to jump in he wanted to learn he doesn't mind getting his teeth kicked in he just wanted to figure out what's going on and how to play this so he he just jumped in the deep end and got grixis death shadow which is one of the hardest decks to play in the format and if you don't mind getting your teeth kicked in that's a fine way to do it but you're gonna get curb stomped for you know months before you start consistently doing well um that being said if you want something that's a bit easier i would really recommend just the ad nauseum deck i mentioned before because it's in, it's pretty linear for what it does uh there are sideboard guides all over the internet because it's an old deck it's been around since the first modern pro tour if i remember correctly um it's just it's very solid and one of the ways you can learn about the modern format is just watching people play their modern decks you you know you play against a burn deck and you get and you learn about the cards in the burn deck because they play them and but you're not just getting your teeth kicked in over and over and over because you're playing a fairly linear deck where it doesn't matter what they're doing. You're going to, you know, play your ad nauseum, put your deck in your hand, exile Simeon Spirit Guides and kill them with a lightning storm or whatever your kill condition is.
1: OK, outstanding. All right. So a couple of decks there. But, um, you know, really, it's it seems like playing is a lot a lot of it too right because like you said like so like you know a format like standard where maybe there's three popular decks and they're all just variations of those decks it's pretty easy just to watch the pro tour and figure out what you're doing but when it comes to the modern metagame just in general like how many viable decks are we looking at like 20 30 there's there seems to be a lot a lot of choice out there in your modern deck
0: if i had to guess i would probably guess there are about 50 decks or something
1: what, that that seems insane in modern, to me there, like 50 there decks are that are viable and and when we say viable, I, th- I think like we mean like you know something that has a chance against most of the most of the meta game out there. Like it's obviously not you're not always going to be a fifty fifty matchup. Like you're going to have bad matchups, but we're, we're talking fifty decks that can hold their own in most matchups, right?
0: Um, I would say when I say viable, I I'm saying like justifiable. I'm I'm not go- you're I mean someone might, but I'm not going to laugh you out of a room for mm-hmm. um for playing this deck. Th- that might include some of the more off the wall things. Like there is a mono white life gain deck and it is reasonable against some of the better decks in the format. It's probably not going to win a tournament anytime soon because not a lot of people are playing it, but you know, there's mono white life game, there's land destruction, you know, the, the Ponza deck. There there are all these things that you never hear about, but then it, sometimes it'll pop up and you'll go, oh, oh, land destruction, top eight at the Star City open. Huh, I haven't thought about that deck in a while. But just to give an idea, I have, a, I have a tool that I'll give to some people who are breaking into modern that I'm coaching. And the way that I'll teach them the decks when they just want to memorize a bunch is I'll just snapshot non-basic lands in the format and list every deck that plays them. So they can kind of make snaps or flashcards or study it if they want. And the document is 27 pages long
1: that's insane where it
0: lists that, the land all the ver- like the the key cards in the deck that you can expect to play against um i mean I, i'm not just gonna sit here and list it all to you i can send you a link to it here in our conversation if you want to post it under in the show notes or something like that
1: yeah absolutely if you don't mind if you don't mind sharing something like that i'm sure it would be of some value to people out there so i will definitely do that thank you very much that's great yep. so that always that always fascinates me about um about modern and, and people that play modern a lot is like your opponent goes turn one land uh you know blue blue red fetch and they and they fetch whatever uh steam vents or something like that and you're like i know exactly what they're playing and like 99 of the time you're right and that always seemed insane to me but i guess i guess it makes sense right is that you know land bases are configured specifically and they're finely tuned specifically to work with the deck that you're playing um you know outside of somebody's running some kind of rogue land base it should be easy to uh to pick that up it always fascinates me though that people can do that off the top of my off the top of their heads so that that's good um so continuing on on the met on the metagame so obviously there's a you know paper metagame is going to shift from place to place city to city lgs to lgs tournament to tournament um but online because there's really one place to play online um what What is the the meta game like for modern online now uh you know now we've had leagues for i guess a year or more now um you know we've we've gone through a ban or two um what's what's it like to play online to play modern what kind of decks are we looking at so, uh most frequently
0: so kind of the cool thing is in modern and you know this might be good this might be bad, some people hate it some people love it um there isn't a single deck that takes up more than about ten percent of the online meta game. Like according to MTG Goldfish, the biggest deck right now is Affinity, with a uh, meta share of six point five nine percent.
1: So a little better than one out of every twenty decks. That that seems so bizarre to me. Like isn't is there not like a, a best deck? Is is that not is that how, not how Magic works?
0: I mean, there are decks that are better than others, but the the cool thing about Modern, and this is the and I won't say it's the selling point, but it's something I try to drive home with a lot of people I work with. Uh, in, in modern, you can beat anything. You can't beat everything, but you can beat anything. So if any deck starts to get big, for a while, Blue Red Gift Storm was the top dog. People just started sideboarding Storm Hate, and then Storm got worse. And now that Affinity's on top, people probably just respond to that by boarding some more artifact hate and affinity will fall off and something else will take its place. So there's not some huge thing. It's just, it, it keep it's for a while. It's kept itself in check pretty, pretty well.
1: Okay. Now is that mostly the sideboarding that, that keeps the, the metagame in check, or is there a lot of main deck kind of hate that, that comes into play? What's, I mean, this might just sound like a complete new question because it is, but like the sideboard versus main deck, which, which is more important in modern.
0: So those can vary a whole lot, and so one of my approaches to picking my decks in Modern is I look at at what a deck's worst matchups are, and I try to pick the deck where its worst matchups are not showing up very much, because a lot of times decks in Modern are so powerful that if they have roughly, you can beat most things, and that's fine, game one even without your sideboard slots. Sideboard slots just shore things up or put the nail in the coffin if it's some absurd hate card. But your bad matchups in the format are the ones that feel unwinnable. Like, if you're playing a fair deck, like a very, very fair green creature deck, and your opponent is playing Tron, and they have a Karn liberated on turn three, you're going to lose the game you're not going to beat that deck very often. So you're not going to want to play your deck unless you're not going to play against Tron very frequently. So right. I tend to pick decks by looking at what decks are sort of missing from the metagame, and I go, all right, what do the decks that are missing, what do those decks beat? Because that's what I should be playing, because I, that way I'm the least likely to sh- to play against my nightmare
1: matchups. Okay, so just speaking from your from your perspective, do you play mostly leagues or do you play PTQs online and thing and things like that? Like, what what is your primary uh, focus when you play modern online? I
0: mostly play leagues. Uh, I don't. I'm not home most weekends, and a lot of the weekends I am home, I try to do things that aren't magic. Like I play like I play PUBG, which is just a an online shooter, and I like, oh, yeah. watch TV some and hang out with my boyfriend and you know, try to do other things.
1: You're not strictly a magic degenerate like some people. Well,
0: I wouldn't say I'm not a magic degenerate. (laughs) I just, I have a secret life as well.
1: (laughs) A secret non-magic life. All right. That's, that's fair. I know. And y'all are getting
0: the big scoop right here.
1: The big scoop. I feel like we're, we're getting the true Emma here. This is cool. This is that, all that
0: psychological, that profile you were talking about.
1: It's totally, I have like a hundred questions here and I scratched a bunch off after our five questions. So this is great. We're, we're digging deep here. Um, so I mean, obviously you use magic online to practice for your paper events. So, um, so what's your approach? How do you maximize your magic online time when it comes to practicing for your modern events?
0: So a lot of times, um, ironically, so this is going to sound like a little bit of a cop out or trying to play on easy mode or something a lot of times i'm trying to play test and be self-reflective when i'm play testing and that's to say that i'm not always paying attention to what my opponents are doing super harshly or super hard um when i'm playing modern specifically because there are so many different things they could do i just want to see how my deck is doing if it's functioning well if i'm if there are some non-bows that I didn't realize during deck construction, and as a result, I'll end up playing in friendly leagues a lot more than I'll play in competitive leagues because they go a lot faster. Uh, People play faster. uh, People will concede because it's a lower entry fee. Uh, I'm not always necessarily looking to pad my win rate. I'm just looking to evaluate the cards I'm putting in my deck a lot of the time. Okay. And once I have figured out what deck I want to play and I'm working on tuning the list, then I'll move to the competitive leagues.
1: Okay. Um, so I've never uh, played the, the, obviously the modern friendly versus competitive, but um, how do the two differ from, well, first of all, there's a cost entry, um, but also from, I guess... What's the difference between the friendly and and, and competitive when it comes to, um, well, I guess competitiveness, but also the deck selection that you'll see, um, you know, compared to between the two.
0: So you're more likely to see things in the top 10 or 20 decks or so in modern in the competitive leagues, whereas in the friendly leagues, sometimes in, you know, I don't mean this as a drag or anything to anyone specific. I promise this isn't some sort of passive aggressive jab, but sometimes you'll, So you'll play against people in the friendly leagues who literally are just, they are, they did not build a modern deck. It is the cards they owned on their moto collection happened to be modern legal and they just registered for that tournament. And it's this pile of shadow more cards and you just (laughs) blow them out of the water in, you know, 10 minutes. And, you know, that kind of feels bad, but that doesn't really happen in the competitive leagues because it's a higher entry fee.
1: Okay. So a good place then it to learn um how to play your deck, but not necessarily how to play against your opponent's decks.
0: Correct. It's all in are are you familiar with the con you mentioned you're a poker player. So using level thinking, mm-hmm. when I'm learning about level zero and level one, I want to play in the friendly leagues, but when I'm learning about level two and higher, I go to the competitive
1: leagues. Yeah, that's that's perfect. So um Yeah, okay. And then that makes a lot of sense, right? you you, you don't do yourself a service all the time. Like sometimes it's a disservice to, to play at a level higher than what you're ready for um, because you're not necessarily learning the correct things or you're not building on a foundation I found. So when I, when I played poker, I would start at the lower limits uh, to work on my fundamentals, um, my mechanics in the game and things like that. And, and you know, playing against higher competition um, obviously makes you better, but if you're not good to start with, you're not going to get like going from zero to one is, is, you know skill wise is is you know you're improving but you're not improving very far whereas if you're a better player going from a 9 to a 10 is is much more of a dramatic shift i would say that's how i approached it from poker so that's that's a good way to put it so um okay so modern as a whole so you're talking again to a strictly limited player who's dabbling in standard because you know we have a pile of standard cards here you know what i'm like that guy that plays in the friendly league yeah. Uh, when it comes to standard is we're putting together budget standard decks and we're going to go to Friday Night Magic here pretty quick with uh, with my 13 year old. It's gonna be great. But um, modern versus versus standard when it comes to construction, you know, we're actually just modern as a whole. You know, where do you think modern's out of the format? Should the unbent win? Um, why is it the best or worst format or like why? Why should people play modern um, specifically, I guess, over standard or even just in general? Like why? Why do you enjoy the game and, and play it? as much as you do.
0: So I actually wrote an article. um, I know it was this year, but I know it was somewhere between six months ago and like nine months ago where it was just called modern. It's great. And I think the best thing about modern is to me, modern feels like the closest thing to lunch table magic that's left in compare. If you want to play competitive magic, but come close to capturing the quote the way you felt if you were playing at the lunch table in high school or the kitchen table or whatever at home because you can play whatever you want and sometimes you're going to get blindsided by tricks you you didn't even know existed and everyone's going to get to play what they want and everyone's going to have a good time doing what they want to do and if you want to put cards in your deck that beats the beats the pants off of johnny's tribal zombie deck you you can put your anti-zombie cards in there, but then you're going to lose to Sue's Mill deck and have some more trouble against, you know, Terrence's Counterspell deck or whatever you want to call it. I I think Modern, just the fact that you can do whatever you want is just fantastic.
1: That's, that's quite liberating to me. You've almost sold me on Modern, I think. I think if I could play Paper Modern without uh, spending you know a bunch of money on lands and things like that i'd probably be in but um i mean you're also talking to the guy that you know scoffs at paying you know more than 40 dollars for a standard deck so i, I have problems <laughs> i have separation issues when it comes to my money sure. and, and, and paper cards so look at, but, uh, look uh, at no,
0: the deck the deck's pretty cheap yeah. like the pact of negations are pretty brutal but i think the next most expensive car is like 10 bucks or something
1: not bad and the be- the best thing about modern is unless something gets banned um, you know, your cards are usually pretty, pretty good and retain their value for quite a while. So mm-hmm,
0: exactly. just,
1: just don't get so good at your deck that you get it banned, <laughs> but, 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 but for real though, like twin, what do you think? Up, down.
0: So oh, I just,
1: I just blew your mind.
0: Yeah. I'm, so I guess my issue is I, I don't think, I mean, I know they're unbanning, well, they said they're probably unbanning some cards or thinking of unbanning some cards. I don't quite recall. Um, uh, you know, another article I wrote uh, about two months ago was about the modern ban list. And if they're going to unban something, uh, Splinter Twin is probably one of the least offensive cards. I, If I could choose cards to be unbanned, it would probably be on the list that that's about the best i i think it is silly that it got banned it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me but there are a lot of cards that i just don't think should have been banned
1: okay i mean i guess with so many new cards being introduced to the format that you know things could change you know what i mean like so like i mean i know not a lot of cards from every set are used but it doesn't take much for wizards to print an answer that you know perfectly answers Splinter Twin, you know, in a commonly played color or something like that. I know Fatal Push isn't the one, but you know, all it takes is a card similar to that. I mean, have um, you read you the know, card or something like that <laughs> There you go, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh do people do people still play yeah. that? No. Uh is Frexian Mana bad? Yeah. It's funny, my 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 kid came home from school, a phyrexian Frexian Mana story. She came home from school and she's like, We were playing uh they just play casual and she's got a regular standard deck, like a planeswalker deck, and somebody brought Phyrexian mana cards with like dismember oh. i don't know where they got it from these kids are 13 <laughs> and uh she's like she came home and she's like have you ever seen this kind of like mana that's like kind of like grayed out with a line through it i'm like phyrexian mana. she's like yeah that thing sucks and i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> he paid one to kill my thing i know i know i'm sorry Sweetie,
0: there can we there do anything bad about that? people out there there are bad yeah. people out there <laughs>
1: <laughs> i said there's a thing you're gonna have to learn about the world kid it's not it's not always your friend and phyrexian mana was maybe a mistake but oh that, <laughs> that's yeah. another Mechanic that's another the biggest mistake story.
0: in the last like half decade
1: that's another another story for another yeah. time so all right so uh tell you what i'm gonna do is if you share me a couple of those links i'll uh i'll post a couple of those articles uh or give them to travis to post in the show notes and people can uh can, can track those articles down. And, um, even if you don't have the exact links, I'll send them a link to your kind of our, uh, uh, author search and, uh, and, uh, they can kind of find them from there. So how frequently are you putting out modern related content on SCG? Would you say?
0: Um, I can't say how frequently I do specifically modern related content, but it is the stuff that is pushed the most on us. Cause it's, it's by far the most popular, um, format on the SCG tour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just in the interest of me writing for my art audience, so to speak, um, it's probably the thing that I lean towards the most. Okay. But it, I, my, I have articles come out every Thursday on Star City Games, and I'd say they're modern related about 60 to 80 percent of the time. A lot of what I write about is either modern related or fundamentals
1: Perfect. I feel like you're you're the perfect guest host for this podcast because of the fundamentals um, and also the expertise kind of narrowing in on on modern, for example. So whereas, you know, you know, Travis is probably pretty good at the fundamentals from a limited perspective. So and I'm just I just here to talk and edit the podcast. So I feel like we got a good <laughs> mix. You're, you're, you so far, you know, you're knocking it out of the park here. Uh, this might be the top episode of all time. Don't tell Travis, but um we got definitely got a front runner here so i want (laughs) to i appreciate that i want to continue to plug your your articles though and we're going to kind of segue right into 41 versus 61 cards and i wish i would have pulled the audio from the pre-release i wasn't thinking about it but um this this is the thing that stuck with me the most from it is that you were talking i don't remember who you were playing against but it was at the end maybe was it actually between games you were talking about 41 cards and um and the mentality and i think i think you mentioned that you got it from uh, playing Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Mm-hmm. Do I remember that? Yeah, no, it's yeah. perfect. So there's there's the rule of thumb in in limited, forty cards, forty cards, forty cards, and inc- and constructed, obviously, is sixty cards. And you wrote the article this week entitled "Is Sixty Ever Wrong," and uh, and we'll put a link to that. We're gonna have just nothing but links in the show notes. It's gonna be great. Listen um, to my
0: mixtape, fam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, you know, from from a constructed perspective. What did you find when you did your research? Because I remember seeing you asking on Twitter, you know, give me some examples of, of decks where 60 was wrong. We're playing more than 60 cards. Um, and then also maybe we can kind of roll that into taking it to a limited perspective is um, why do you think that sometimes 41 cards is better than 40? And maybe we can counter those arguments of, because I'm going to come at it from a 40 card perspective, um, mm-hmm. despite me sometimes playing 41 cards, especially in Ixalon with Opt. Um, but... What's, what's your take on it? What's the big kind of reasoning behind playing one or two cards more than the minimum, let's say?
0: So sometimes, I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons. Um, so in in the article, I'll just go through a couple of the examples that I bring up. Uh, indecisiveness is one of them. There was a pro tour, uh, Gabe Nassif. Uh, I think he has like nine pro tour top eights. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, conversation, like probably like in the area of fifth best magic player of all time. Uh, He won Pro Tour Kyoto in 2009 with a 61-card, five-color control deck. And the the reason he played 61 cards, everyone's like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? You you should play 60. He goes, well, uh, I wasn't 100% sure which card I should cut, and I was confident that cutting the wrong card would hurt me a lot more than having the 61st card. So. If he were to say cut he had a main deck celestial purge, what if he cuts that celestial purge and then plays against fairies a bunch? then he's gonna look really dumb for not having enough main deck answers to the card bitter blossom uh, so, whereas him draw having one too many cards is only gonna change the odds of him drawing any specific card by you know eight percent or so so it's but if he cuts celestial purge he has a zero percent chance of drawing celestial purge
1: right so you kind of you kind of hedge your bets there you give yourself a chance to draw a very specific card um and give your give yourself an out in that game while diluting your deck but not as much as maybe people would think i mean exactly. I think the math is yeah i think the math is kind of important behind that too right is like you know people always talk about, oh, thinning your deck and and like, you know, how it doesn't necessarily have an impact. I mean, it's a non-zero impact, right, of of removing a card from your deck, making it 59 cards or 58 cards or whatever. It is a non-zero. So you kind of have to hedge that. You have to weigh that between, you know, a slight knock to draw your best card versus, you know, drawing your best card in a specific matchup. So there are times I would argue that it is wrong. But I guess in this case, and I'm, I'm sure you have other examples here, where um, sometimes you just have to you have to hedge your bets, so you have to play both sides of of the table, right, and hope it doesn't come up green, for example.
0: You yeah, know, red exactly. And, red and
1: black. Okay. Now, when when it comes uh, when when you were doing it on the pre pre release, you specifically it was in the context of limited. So, what was your take if you remember back to then, or just in general? I guess what's your take on playing? more than 40 cards unlimited because with a smaller deck, obviously those decisions of over individual cards have much more of an impact percentage wise, I would say than, um, than say constructed.
0: So, um, so you mentioned my, uh, my history in Yu-Gi-Oh before Yu-Gi-Oh, the constructed format is 40 cards. Okay. So I, are, are you familiar with like a hypergeometric calculator? Yeah, absolutely. to, To calculate probability, there's a point where you just memorize a bunch of stupid tables to learn the odds of drawing a card if you play one in your 40-card deck or two in your 40-card deck or three and so on.
1: Yeah, we Um, do that with mulligan decisions all the time, right? Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. And so I realized playing Yu-Gi-Oh that the the odds of drawing a a one-of in a 40-card deck changes by, you know... Based on the number of cards you're going to be drawing, not just a single draw, but let's say a game of limited is going to have five or six turns. The odds of drawing that's going to be 11 or 12 cards. The odds of drawing a one of in a 40 card deck versus a one of in a 41 card deck changes by less than
1: 1%. So less than one of your 100 games you will see it like it it will, meaning it will make an impact. Correct.
0: It's, it's just very low probability to matter. And you know, I, there are times where you want your mana ratio. So at the pre, -pre pre-release, if I remember correctly, I played an 18 land deck Mm -hmm. and it was because I couldn't decide if I wanted an 18 land or a 17 land deck. So I played 18 lands and just put an extra spell in because that gave me ratio wise somewhere between the, the spells to land intensity of about 17 and you know I think 17 and one third lands or something like that or 17.8 lands I got it backwards
1: right so so what you're like so if you're stuck between let's say 16 and 17 lands right you're playing um you're playing hour of devastation limited draft and you have you have a, a, enough cyclers but not at not too many cyclers. You're like, do I play 16? Do I play 17? You're thinking just, you know, split the difference, play the extra card one way or the other, and kind of just suck it up that once in a while, you're going to draw your 24th worst or 24th best card um, instead of your 23rd best card, one out of every 100 games. Is that is that basically it?
0: Yeah, that's it. And, you know, I'm going to level with you. There's a point where it tournaments with like the pre -pre pre-release or streamer showdowns or in the holiday cube, I'll play 42 cards because I want to play 25 cool spells. I just yeah. want to play more magic with more, with a larger sample of cool cards because I'm playing magic for fun and I'm not, I, the holiday cube isn't where I get my, uh, you know, get my competitive jollies, so to speak. I'm not trying to eke out every percentage point in an eight person queue. I'm just, okay. I'm there to play my pile of planeswalkers walkers or hope to, storm off in cube or what have you if if putting an extra garrick in my deck really makes it that much worse i'll just i'll split the difference and just fight i'll I'll just accept my decks a little bit worse because i love the card garrick relentless
1: i am uh i'm i used to be ashamed to admit it and i'm no longer um but in my uh two at a giant uh pre-release decks I always play 41 cards and we always go on the draw because, uh, you know, two at a giant is ridiculous, but you're right. I mean, not knowing the cards, especially early in a format, um, you know, why not get experience with them? And I like pre-release obviously is fun. Right. Um, but in, in Ixalan, especially, um, when I was playing paper magic, if I was drafting blue, I would quite frequently have a bunch of ops and it's just like, well, you know, I want to see what happens when I play opt in a two opts in a 42 card deck. It's basically the same as playing a 40 card deck, right? As long as I'm base blue. So, you know, I started to experiment with this and, you know, I used to feel shame. I no longer feel shame. I'm going to, I'm going to admit. So, um, that being said, this is a loving
0: place. You can, you can come clean
1: here. It's okay. You can, I mean, just, just, maybe don't play 45 like there, there should be cuts right like there's definitely a limit when it comes to limited um your sideboard's not that deep it's going to be difficult to find 24 25 playables you know that are worth main decking i would argue um just maybe don't necessarily feel shame about playing that one extra card or those two extra cards um and then obviously constructed like your mileage is going to vary depending on the deck there's i mean we've seen pro tour quality decks that were 64 cards, I believe. Right. If I remember correctly, I don't remember what the deck mm-hmm. was. Yeah, there was I a, remember seeing, I was, I was just saying, I remember seeing a bunch of people on Twitter. It's like, what's the deal with 64? Um, you know, maybe, maybe don't deck shame people, but, um, but what was the deal with that? Did you, did you find that one when you're doing your article?
0: So there are a few of them. Um, I guess there are three points where one, my favorite limited deck of all time before we get too far back that I ever built, uh, was a 47 card shadows of Innistrad deck. Um, 47 47 it was because i only had three creatures and had three copies of fevered visions and planned to actually deck people out the hard way (laughs) and uh, you
1: you pre-built your deck to prevent oh man that's amazing yeah
0: so the plan because i had i had the ability to draw five cards if i cast all of my spells I knew I would get that would put me down to forty-two cards effectively if they didn't cast a single draw spell. So I didn't want to lose. If they mulliganed and I was on the draw, I would not have a way to beat them.
1: That is insane. And, I hope uh, that deck won.
0: Ended up uh splitting the finals of that draft. It felt really good. Of course. But That's anyway, amazing. anyway, okay. uh sixty-four cards. <laughs> there are yeah. there are a couple of them. There was um the one I referenced in the article was um Makahita Mahara's scapeshift deck where shocklands were not legal so he could not play any duels but he wanted to play cryptic command and win with valakut the molten pinnacle so he needed to play enough mountains to kill people with valakut and then also play enough blue sources to cast cryptic command so the way he did that was just adding extra cards to his deck
1: Interesting. So you can blow up your deck and get a, a proper mana ratio or color ratio in your lands. You just kind of have to accept the fact that your your spell base is a little diluted. Exactly. Interesting. Okay.
0: Basically, the other one was Ben Rubin built a four-color deck during Cons of Tarkir Standard, where he wanted to draw fetches more than other lands. So he effectively just added extra land, extra fetches to his deck to put it up to like 28 lands or something obscene like that. And then just added a couple of spells to offset that. Uh, So he wasn't, his deck wasn't knocked off balance.
1: Interesting. That seems so amazing. And it's always the same, you know what I mean? Like, like some pro will put their 41 card deck up on, on Twitter, a screenshot of it. And the first thing is always some other pro saying, you know, "I, I can't believe you do that. Or when it came to the Ben Rubens deck, there was a lot of talk on Twitter about it, and it's like why 64. Um, and I was finding it, it find it interesting that people have to justify that. So um, this, I think this is good. This is a good talk. You know, it's it's okay. Like I said, don't deck shame people, um, and and really just I think you have to be smart about it. Is is what it boils down to. Is if you're doing it for the sake of doing it and it's fun, I think that's fine. But I think if you're if you're trying to be competitive with it, um, you really need a reason, a specific reason. Um, and if it, you know. If you can find that justification behind it and the math works out, I think that's the key part. You know, go ahead and do it. But you should always be trying to shrink your deck, I think, as far as possible because you do want to make sure that you're drawing those those spells that are that are quality. And you know, putting your twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh best card in your deck um, without a plan is just kind of just a recipe for disaster. So, you know, keep keep in mind that that you can do this. Just maybe. Maybe approach it from, like I said, from that mathematical perspective and and really think about what you're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. You just, you don't want to just, there's a reason people stick to what they normally do, but it's more, it's more to discourage people from playing, you know, 80 card starter decks than it is to say you have to play 60 or you are wrong, period, end of discussion
1: as always hyperbole and magic there's there's usually um hyperbole on one side or the other and the actual truth lies somewhere in the middle so i feel like we found the middle ground here so i'm gonna go to my my rivals of Ixlan pre pre pre-release not pre-pre-release pre-release and uh and i'm gonna be i'm gonna be okay putting 41 or 42 cards in my deck because it'll just be fun and i can't wait to play with those cards okay um moving along here so like i said before uh like to talk to you a little bit about coaching and since this is your job and I feel like, uh, you know, we should maybe try to get you a little bit of business out of this kind of give you some exposure on the coaching side. Um, do you do you mind talking about what you do from a coaching perspective? Um, you know, if somebody like me wanted coaching, how do I go about doing that? What kinds of things do you coach on? Um. Just generally, maybe just plug your, plug your service.
0: Sure. Okay. So, um, I guess I, so I have a little pitch for it. Uh, a lot of it's I like kind of just pitch of like personalized articles. I, to go in order, I, I work with people primarily on limited standard and modern. I'm not comfortable working on popper commander or vintage. I, I, you know, I, I can get more to the, to the you know the nitty-gritty later on but you know it's not incredibly cheap what I do and I, I'm not trying to rip people off for just a quick few bucks I like what I do and I like I like to think that I'm good at what I do and I want to make sure people feel satisfied after they have a session um, and those are just the formats I tend to specialize in and there are a lot of different ways that I'll tend to work with people I use a couple of draft simulators so we can either work together and talk about drafts pick by pick by pick without being under the gun of a moto clock, or something like that. Where it's like, alright, well, we have three really good picks here, but we have 35 seconds. So, uh, lightning round, or something. Uh, sometimes it's playing a modern league together, and talking about every single decision we make. There are, you would not be amazed... A lot of what I do in those is I just ask, why? Why are you doing this? Okay, why are we playing this land? Why are we playing a main phase one? Why are we fetching on there and stuff and so on just to kind of make people aware. All right, all of these are conscious decisions we're making. Stop just auto playing and going through the motions. Let's think about everything we do. And you'll see people, I, I there are a couple of people who, you know, this is anecdotal and restricted to a couple of the more um, extreme cases, but a couple of people are messaging me going, wow, my win rate went up like 10% since our session like three weeks ago. This is awesome. And, you know, they didn't have great win rates before that, so it's not like I brought them from like a 65% to a 75% or something. But um, And then it can even just be talking about someone's standard deck and how to board in the current meta or helping them pick a variant of a deck. It's like, well, I want to play, I know I want to play Energy, but I don't know if I want to play Winding Constrictor or the Scarab God or just Three-Color timber Energy. Let's talk about that and all the different reasons to do that. So it's, it's really just kind of anything that can fall under those three, under the umbrella of those three formats. And I usually work with people either through discord or Skype using the screen share functions that they offer.
1: Okay. So I imagine then obviously magic online is, is paramount to that, right? Like it's pretty tough to do coaching and paper.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Magic online is a big, big part of it. I use that and I use a couple of draft
1: simulators,
0: um, and sealed deck generators, um, but that's, that's basically all that is. Sometimes it's just a lot more conversational where people just have a lot of questions. And I, you know, I mentioned the personalized article thing as a sort of tagline, like two or three times now, but some people will literally just have a wall of questions about sideboarding and then go, hi, I want to pick your brain about sideboarding for two hours. So can I just hire you for two hours and you answer all of my questions and that's yes. what we'll do.
1: That's that must be, might be might be the greatest thing I've ever heard right there. You're like you're you're almost like a like an MTG therapist, you know, <laughs> where like they sit back in their chair in their comfy chair and they're like cut their notepad and they're just like, hmm. well, how does that make you feel? Yes. Mm-hmm, very very good. Do, very good. Feel? Tell
0: me about your magic childhood. What was that like?
1: <laughs> I love it now. Uh, now I can't. I can't not see that now. Where you're like sitting there, literally asking them about the, how they grew up playing magic. Oh, I don't. Just I don't bust out the profile. accent for free.
0: You're, I'm on the clock now. I'm sorry. Oh uh, no. Okay. I don't hold make on. undo. Rules. Undo.
1: Um. Can I pay you in Bitcoin?
0: Yes. Th- I would love for you <laughs> to do that. That sounds nice. That's good for me, right?
1: <sighs> I I believe that that is good for you. Probably. Okay, I don't know what
0: well, it is, but people are upset that they do not have them. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I feel like that could be an entire podcast topic. So, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll bring you on in a couple of weeks and and we'll do maybe we'll start a Bitcoin podcast. I'll I'll put that right next to the um uh what was the trademark that I was going to do the uh, oh, Dave's uh, psychological magic psychological profile. How we can, do you we do, can start a podcast kids? On both of those. I
0: would like to purchase 2 bitcoins <laughs>
1: <laughs> to buy magic coaching sessions. Yeah, I f- I feel like maybe Maybe that would be a thing that would work. So we'll we'll, tell you what, I'll have your people call my people and and we'll, we'll square all over. Whoa,
0: whoa. What do you mean my people?
1: Whoa. Uh, you, you have, you have people that manage your, your events and your, your bookings, right? I imagine everybody does. No, no,
0: I am. uh, (laughs) I am a one lady band.
1: (laughs) I am. I am also a solo band member here. So, but, um, not until next, actually when next week, Travis will be back and he'll start, uh, start making all the arrangements and things like that. Like I said, I ride his coattails here. So, (laughs) but you know what? It was, it was great having you on. I'm really glad you could come in and, and, uh, and kind of, you know, share with us your experience, uh, get us into modern, you know, tell us about your coaching, you know, be honest. You've got me like interested in playing modern. I think if I was a more competitive player, I've definitely looked at coaching in the past. So I hope that, you know, maybe somebody out there, you know, if, if they're, if they're going down that path and there's something that interests them, uh, you know, maybe they can reach out to you or somebody else that does coaching. And, um, you know, there's, from my experience, like I know people that that were poker coaches, and there's all sorts of other coaches when it comes to, you know, sports and life coaches and things like that. And it it is it is a thing, right? It People can find that very helpful. So I hope that somebody out there, uh, you know, can can reach out to you or somebody else and maybe find that or even like I said, a magic therapist, you know, just, you know, show us where the bad deck touched you kind of thing. And, um, uh, you know, feel better about yourself when you lose on magic online. And, and can't seem to win a game of Ixel Unlimited or something like that. Sure, but um, thanks, thanks again for for joining us. So I'm going to give you the opportunity here to uh, plug your Twitter and your stream. Where can they find you on the internet?
0: So I have a lot of public pages. I like I you know I just find everywhere that I can stand on a soapbox and shout, "Look at me and the things I make." Um, I have a public Facebook page, uh, Emma Handy MTG. It's just Facebook.com/slash Emma Handy MTG. Um, You can find me on Twitter and Twitch under um, M-T-G spelled E-M underscore T-E-E-G-E-E. It is a double entendre that I'm particularly proud of. Um, (laughs) And uh, you can find my articles every week on StarCityGames.com as well. If you have any questions about coaching or anything like that, uh, feel free to message me on any of those platforms, preferably either Facebook or Twitter. I check those. Every few hours, you know, everyone has their cell phone attached to their hip these days. So and I'm, I'm no different. Um but I, I think that's a, about all I got to uh all I've got to plug here. I, I really appreciate you having me on and everything. This has been a lot of fun just talking shop
1: maybe we'll get you on again one time when uh travis is preparing for a modern ptq that he qualifies for randomly or that he decides to buy into actually what was the last one it was a mox i think and he got curb stomped i think maybe he might need your help for that well,
0: would i have to bring my own shoes uh
1: i guess you probably would because he would be around and probably not barefoot so you know we'll we'll, we'll square those details out I'll, I'll have his people call you there you um, go and and we'll uh <laughs> we'll get the shoe situation sorted out so <laughs> uh we're gonna wrap it up there i want to thank our hosts uh face-to-face games and manapribe.com for all the hosting and support you know me by now but you can reach me on twitter at uh, dcivilian that's d-s-a-v-i-l-l-i-a-n and twitch of the same uh ima is wrapped up ixalan is still around and we've got uh, vintage cube coming up actually vintage masters flashback which i'll be skipping but uh, probably be playing some ixalan next week so you can catch me there and then we'll roll right into the christmas season and into rivals of ixalan uh, catch us back here next week. Travis will be around and I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. So if you have any topic ideas, please send them to us. And once again, uh, follow us on the Men From Moto Twitter. That is twitter.com slash moto. Thanks again to our guest host, Emma.
0: Yeah, And we'll catch
1: you next week. <laughs>